morning, everybody, and welcome once again to the Digital Cathedral. It's good to be with you again on a Sunday morning. I always look forward to this time that we have together uh, to study God's Word and to get stretched a little bit. You know, I've, I've been thinking about stretching this week, and I made a little bit of post on Facebook that the only way we can enlarge capacity is to be stretched. That's why you don't put new wine into an old wineskin. The old wineskin can't stretch. So for you and I to increase the capacity of the things that we're learning, we gotta be stretched. So I'm gonna stretch you a little bit this morning. Can I do that? We're looking at Ephesians chapter four, verses 17 through 32. Ephesians chapter four, verses 17 to 32. If you wanna grab your Bible, we're gonna look at some of those scriptures in just a minute. Uh, in these verses, Paul begins to lay out his case to the Ephesians to live out the revelation that he has brought to us in verses 1, 2, and 3. Remember, I told you that Ephesians is divided very nicely into two sections. It's six chapters, and through the first three chapters, he tells them who they are, what they possess, who they've always been, what their identity is. And then in the last three chapters, he says, now that you know who you are, this is the way you are to live. I think that's such an important understanding to have because if we can't manifest what we believe, if we can't manifest uh, the revelation that we see, then really what value is it? So right now I'm all about manifesting. I'm all about manifesting as a son of God and leading others to manifest in the same way. So what Paul does in these 16 verses is he draws a contrast. He draws a contrast, and I'm just giving you a little bit of an overview. He draws a contrast between the way that they did live and now the natural outflow of the life that they now have in spirit. So let me highlight a few things that Paul says in Ephesians 4, chapter, 7, chapter 4, verses 17 to 32. And then what I like to do, the last half of the teaching, is to bring what Paul says into uh, our life today and uh, make it applicable to the way that we live. So Paul was making it applicable to the way they live. I want to make it practical to the way that we live also. So let's look a little bit at this. Let's start with verse 17. Verse 17, Ephesians chapter 4, Paul says this. He said, This I say, therefore, in testifying the Lord, that you should no longer walk or live out, manifest, as the rest of the Gentiles walk, in the futility of their mind. Now the word futility in the Greek means unproductive or ineffective. And that's what, what I call Gentile mentality really produces. It produces a lifestyle that is unproductive and ineffective. You know, even believers can have that kind of lifestyle. We can, be, we can walk like we walked all of our life before we had revelation of truth and we become frustrated because what has produced is things that are unproductive and ineffective. You know, it's amazing how the world has a theory, uh, the Gentiles had theories, religion has theories on almost everything. Uh, you know, the Gentiles and religion has created a God that is more like Zeus, uh, uh, produced a Jesus that got the job half done, uh, Luke 19.10 says that Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. And religion now has produced a Jesus that seeks the lost, but he can't fully save the lost without us completing the work that he started. And we've also produced a theology that has created divisions and splits until now we've got 40,000 different flavors 
all claiming to be Christians and all claiming to have the Bible as our source of authority. And this is what the futility of our, of our minds has, has given to us. It has given us nothing but unproductivity and ineffectiveness. So Paul says, don't walk that way anymore. Now he comes down to verse 18, and he begins to describe a little bit how that walk looks. Verse 18, he says, don't walk, verse 17, futility of your mind, having your understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. That's how we normally naturally think. So when we, Paul is, is beginning to build a case here, and the case he's beginning to build is, you don't walk that way anymore. So when you don't walk like Gentiles walk, then you should not have your understanding darkened. It should be illuminated. You should not feel alienated from the life of God. You should feel in union with the life of God. And the ignorance that is in you should be dispelled because no longer do you have a blindness of heart. You have progressive light and progressive revelation. So Paul lays that out for them. I, I, I love the way that the Passion Translation reads verse 18. Let me just quickly read this for you. Uh, here, here's what the mind produces when it has a Gentile mentality or a worldly thinking, whether it's a religious person, a spiritual person that thinks they're spiritual or not. The Passion says, listen to this, this is good. He says, their corrupted logic has been clouded because their hearts are so far from God their blinded understanding and deep-seated moral darkness keeps them from the true knowledge of God. And that's what he's been chipping away in us. All of this, all of this darkness that has held us back from knowledge of God. Right now, the knowledge and revelation is flooding God's people. It's phenomenal and it excites me to no end. And so Paul says in verse 18, they have no revelation of what they were taught in, ver in chapters one, two, and three, or in his case, the beginning of his letter. Beginning of his letter, he lays out first three chapters. So Paul says in verse 17 and 18, that you're not, you're not living out, you're not walking out the truth that I presented to you in the first three chapters. And he enforces that in verse 20, because in verse 20, he says, you have not so learned Christ. This isn't the life you have. You know better than this. I've taught you how to live. I've taught you who you are, Paul is saying. I've taught you how you should think. So you shouldn't be living that kind of distorted lifestyle anymore. Now we come down to verse 22 and verse 24. He says, okay, now let's get out of that. Let's, let's move out of that way of walking, that way of thinking, and here's how we're gonna do it. Verse, 23, verse 22, that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust. So he says, put that guy off. Put that old way of thinking off. Put that old way of living off. And in verse, 20, in verse 24, he says, replace it or put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. When I read verses 22 and verse 24, Paul is basically saying, come out of one and come into the other. It's a little bit like he is going to teach us when we get to the book of Colossians, Colossians chapter 1 and verse 13. Paul says a lot the same thing, but just a little bit different way. In Colossians 1 and 13, he says, you have been delivered from the power of darkness, or we could say put off the old man with his corrupt ways. You've, you've been delivered from that, and you have been translated into the kingdom of God's dear son, or you have now put on the new man. 
So here in verse 22, verse 24, he's drawing a line of distinction saying, this is what you were, this is what you are. So how do you, how do you arrive at that? You put off one, put on the other, realizing you've been delivered from the power of darkness, from that old man, that corrupt way of thinking, and now you put on, and he's gonna do some good teaching here on how to do that, you put on this new man which is created in righteousness and true holiness. Now, before I get into that, he really puts the hammer down on this corrupt way of thinking and the life that it produces. I may say this several times before I'm done with this teaching, but the way you think will manifest in the way you live. Wrong thinking produces wrong living. Now, here's what that looks like. Verses 25, 6 and verses 29 to 31, here's how it manifests. Verse 25, therefore put away lying, let each of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Verse 26, be angry and sin not. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Then he drops it down to verse 29. This is, this is how that corrupt way of thinking from verse 27, that old man that he says put off, this is how it looks. This is how it will manifest. Verse 29, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is only good for necessity of edification that you may impart grace to the hearer. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you were sealed to the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking but be put away from you with all malice. Doesn't that draw just such a sharp picture of, of how that old man, like how he manifests, how you can tell maybe where there's still ties or bonds that right now the Holy Spirit's cutting off of us because of the truth that we're now seeing? This is the way of verse 17 and verse 18, right? It's Gentile mentality. It's the result of blindness. It's the way of stinking thinking. It's the way of feeling alienated from God in your mind. It's the way of ignorance. And this is how it begins to portray itself and to look in the lifestyle that we live. Remember, wrong thinking produces wrong living. Wrong thinking produces wrong behavior. So we're not going after behavior here. We're going after thinking. Now in verse 27, he comes like from left field on this verse 27, but when I explain it to you, I don't think he really was left field. In verse 27, we kind of skipped over that as we talked about some of the fruits of this old man lifestyle, this, this futile thinking that is ineffective and unproductive. He's, he gives us a key here in verse 27. Look what, what he says in verse 27. He says, and this comes from like, where does this come from? He says, neither give place to the devil. So what he's doing here, he's equating the devil. Now follow me for the next three, four minutes. He's equating the devil to the activity of blindness and futility of mind, wrong thinking. He's equating the devil to stinking thinking, right? He's equating the devil, not, not to the actions. He's equating it to this wrong mental process that he says in verse 17, don't be caught up in like the rest of the Gentiles. Now, I want, I want to challenge you to do something. In Scripture, if you will take carnal mind, now this won't prove out in every case, but it will in most cases. If you will take carnal mind and insert it when you read the devil or Satan, you'll get a lot of revelation. Let me just insert it in that, in that 27th verse because it really flows and fits in line with what Paul's talking about here. So let me fit that in here in verse 27. Neither give place to the carnal mind. Neither give place to carnal thinking. Carnal thinking is a characteristic 
of the futility of mind. He talks about in verse 17. It's a characteristic of a lifestyle, as we read in verses 25, 26, and 29 through verse 31. Now, you can't do this in every case. Insert carnal mind where it says uh, devil or Satan, but you can a lot because the, the word devil there is the word diablo. It's the Greek word diablo, and it means uh, slanderous accuser. It sometimes can mean traducer or deceiver or adversary. And what, what slanderously accuses you and makes you feel condemned more than your mind, more than your head? Think about that. Neither give place to carnal thinking, slanderous accusation. Neither give place to a traducer, a deceiver, an adversary. That's what a carnal mind is. That's what flesh thinking does for you. If you get your mind renewed, you won't be deceived. If you get your mind renewed, you won't be uh, slanderously accusing yourself. So Paul gets into that. Paul gives the antidote to verse 27 when he says, neither give place to the carnal mind, neither give place to the devil, the traducer, the deceiver, the adversary. Uh, uh, in some place, Paul likes it to shadow boxing all the time, shadow boxing this imaginary enemy that's there. In verse 23, and I skipped over verse 23, and we're going to come back to it. But in verse 23, he gives the antidote to never giving place to the devil. And here's what I really want to get down to with you this morning. Look what he says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 23. He says, and be renewed, catch it, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. He didn't just say renew your mind. He didn't, he didn't just say put on a new mind. He said be renewed in the spirit of your mind. There's a big key right there. The word mind is the word noose. It means your reasoning or understanding. Be renewed in the spirit of your reasoning and your understanding. You need a new spirit of life to feed your reasoning and your understanding. Are you following me? You need a new spirit. He said, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Be renewed in the spirit of what causes you to reason and to understand things. So he's not talking here about reading a book and just changing your mind or upgrading your thinking on some level. He's not talking about just thinking differently. Uh, Paul, I don't think, saying just add information, get more theories, more concepts, more steps. It's, it's not an academic or an intellectual consent. That's not what Paul's driving at. The spirit of your mind is the driving, it's the driving power, it's, it's the source of empowered thinking. So he says what, what you need to do is you need to disconnect from what has empowered your thinking and you need to connect to another source, another spirit that will enable you to reason and understand by the spirit. And I, I, just, re, just getting more head knowledge isn't going to do that. Just doing the things that we do isn't going to do that. So the spirit of your mind is, is drawing from another source of empowered thinking. The spirit that is, that is within needs to erase our thinking and reprogram us. The spirit that is within you needs to begin to have the dominance and the control of your thinking. Well, how do you do that? How do you do that? In verse 24, in verse 24, let me read that again. He said that you put on the new man. This is, this is the source of, of the power, the strength. Put on the new man, 
which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. In other words, let, let me paraphrase it. Let me bring it down. In other words, you totally immerse yourself in your God-shaped new being, that new understanding, that new life that you now recognize, that you've awakened to, that your eyes have, have opened to. You immerse yourself in that man, and that's you make this paradigm shift in your head to the control, he says that was created in the in the likeness of God. So you make this paradigm shift in what what now begins to feed your reasoning and understanding from the from that old man from that 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 way that all Gentiles the the normal way of thinking is. You make a shift and let the image and the likeness of God, which which begins to arise as you awaken, let that be the source that that fuels and strengthens your thinking. Righteousness and true holiness, that's the bread and butter of the new man. He's righteous, he's holy, he's blameless. That's what the image and the likeness of God is. That's what needs to control in life source our thinking, our reasoning, our understanding. Now what's happened to us is we've been hypnotized. We've been hypnotized to think by the carnal mind. We've been programmed to that all of our life. We've been mesmerized. The carnal mind has told us, you're just a man. You're just a mere man and you'll never arise or be better than that. So we've had this amnesia to the true source of our thinking, to what, would, what should be the life source of our mind. So here's the deal. Here's what Paul, let me begin to bring this down a little bit into where we live. Let me break it down. Paul's driving at in Ephesians 4 verses 17 to 32, he's telling us that when you think right, when your mind is empowered from the right source, you will live right. You'll live a full life. You'll live a fulfilled life. You'll live a God-centered life. It, you're being renewed in the spirit of your mind, not just your mind, the spirit of your mind. You move from that Gentile mentality and you come over here and you begin to exercise the mind of Christ. Now that's a mind that you have to believe you possess. That's what the scripture says. We have the mind of Christ, of Christ. And I could get into, not the mind of Jesus, you had the mind of Christ, that eternal spirit that always abode with the Father. You have that mind. You have to begin to trust it. You have to begin to rely on it. You have to begin to rest and know that what you're thinking, that's the mind of Christ. And if it's not, the spirit within you will say, no, 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 discard that one. That's old way of thinking. We don't think that way. It'll guide you. I think Paul learned that from Jesus. I think he got that by direct revelation from Jesus. Jesus kind of said the same thing in, in Matthew chapter seven. He talks about what should influence our thinking and how our minds should be driven. Let's look at this a little bit. Matthew chapter seven, verse 24. Hope you're getting something out of this, I am. Matthew chapter seven, verse 24. Matthew chapter seven. And verse 24, he said, Jesus said this, this is in red. Therefore, whosoever hears these sayings of mine and does them. All right, so he hears it, he puts on the new man. That's putting on the new man. You hear what God says to you, what he speaks to you, and you put that on. You just, you, that begins to be who you are. He says, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them is like a wise man that builds his house on a rock. So you, you put the sayings of Jesus on and your life is built on a rock. It's unshakable. 
and the rains descend, the floods arise, and the winds blow and beat on the house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. Jesus. The sayings of Jesus. The renewed mind. The spirit of the mind. Then he goes on, but everyone who hears these sayings of mine, this is how we used to be. We, I, I, I probably lived like this for a lot, long time, really. I heard his sayings, but I really didn't know how to do them. I didn't know how to manifest them. He says, he's like a foolish man that built his house on the sand and the rains descended, the floods came, the winds blew, beat on that house and it fell and great was the fall. Now, isn't it amazing? He likens those, those two houses, those two scenarios to two different lives. One that puts on the new man, which is creating righteousness and two holiness. The storms come, the, the, the rains beat against it, the wind blows, everything. In both houses, it's exactly the same. There's no difference. They face the same circumstances of life. One life stands strong, the other life folds up. The other life is destroyed, the other life stands strong. It get, matter of fact, the storms make it stronger. It knows that the next time the storm comes, it's able to withstand it. Oh, that's good right there. Next time the storm comes, once you've gone through a storm, next when it comes, you know you can stand. So he's, he's likening, uh, you know, putting on the old man, or putting off the old man, putting on the new man, he draws kind of an analogy that Paul, I think, picked up on to hearing the sayings of Jesus and doing the sayings of Jesus. So whether you build on the rock or you build on the sand is your choice. The wise man is the kingdom man. The foolish man is the one that has the Gentile mentality. He thinks like religion thinks. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's, he's got some insight. He's got a little bit of understanding, but he doesn't apply it. He doesn't manifest it, doesn't live it out. Now, there is a building block of building blocks. There is a saying of Jesus that I think is the numeral uno saying of Jesus that tops them all. This is the saying of Jesus that will reprogram you with a new source of thinking. Now, this is a powerful saying. Are you ready to be renewed in the spirit of your mind? This one will renew you in the spirit of your mind. It's, it is a really short verse. In John chapter 10 and verse 30, Jesus, this is the rock Jesus built on. You wonder what guided and, and empowered the life of Jesus? Here it is right here. John chapter 10, verse 30. I and my Father are one. When that controls your thinking, you're going to be empowered. You will not Think out of old man. You will not manifest old man when you know that you and the Father are one. This is how one thinks who has been renewed in the spirit of his mind. He thinks he and the Father are one. And that angers the religious mindset. Do you know why? Because we lose control. Religion loses control when it, when it when it comes into your full understanding and, and that word becomes your flesh and you live it out, no one can control you anymore. And it infuriated the, the religious people of Jesus' day. Now watch this in verse 31. He just makes a simple statement. The Father and I are one in, in uh, John chapter 10 in verse 30. Now watch what happens in verse 31. Then the religious people took up stones again to stone him. The religious people will, they're not gonna use literal stones, they'll use verbal stones, 
when you start walking in a oneness with the Father, when you, when you stop seeing the Father or God is out there uh, living three miles south of the planet of Mars, you know, off yonder somewhere, and you know that you and he are one, that, that drives religious people nuts to say, who, who do you think you are? So they, they took up stones to kill Jesus. So in verse 32, he, he says, okay, guys, many good works I've shown you from my father. Which of these works do you stone us for? Which of them are you going to really cause me uh, uh, to be killed over? Now, here comes the results of an empowered mind. That, that 32nd verse is the results of an empowered mind. He didn't, he didn't fold up. When the, when the rain came, when the flood rose, when the winds blew, in verse 32, Jesus stood on the rock. The foundation of where Jesus stood was this understanding of oneness with the Father. So in verse 33, See, you, you gotta come you gotta come back to thinking like the rest of us think. You can't think, you gotta think like a mortal. That's what religion was says. So the Jews answered and said, For a good work we don't stone you, but for blasphemy. How many of your friends, when you begin to, to walk and you say, you know what, the Father and I are one? Because what you're really saying, what Jesus was really saying, and that this is the accusation, he's saying, You're God. When you say you and the Father are one, you are all of a sudden beginning to walk in a dimension of deity. Isn't that what Jesus came to bring us? We have so far undersold our humanity. Gentile mentality will tell you you're just a man. Who do you think you are? Talking about walking in oneness with the Father. Who do you think you are? And so that's what they said. Look, we're, we're not stoning you because you're a good pastor. You teach good. You keep all everything flowing or you're a good Good church member, you tithe. We're not stoning you for any of that. And so they said, we're stoning you. Verse, watch this, 33. The Jews answered him and said, we're not stoning you for a good work, but for blasphemy, because you being a man are making yourself God. And he made himself God by saying he was the son of God, that he and the father are one. Paul said this, Jesus thought it, not blasphemy in Philippians 2 or didn't think it wrong to consider himself equal with God. That's what Jesus, the man, said. He, he, was, he was filled with the fullness of the Godhead bodily, knew who he was. He, there was no old man for Jesus to put off. He was not programmed like we've been programmed. He was living out of that new man. The, the spirit of his mind was empowered by oneness. Oneness with the Father, and that was the life source, total life source that Jesus walked out of. So Jesus, Jesus tries to renew the spirit of their minds in verse 34, verse 35. He says, is it not written in your law, I said, you are God's. Religion will tw try to twist that around, get it to mean something other than what it doesn't mean. It, it is small g, I will admit that. I'm not the whole ocean. But I tell you, baby, I'm a cup out of the ocean, and that cup of water out of the ocean is just as much the ocean as every wave, every part of that ocean, no matter how large it is. I'm a cup out of the ocean. I have the same DNA, same characteristics, same potential. I'm made of the same stuff. And that's exactly what Jesus is saying here. He's not saying you are the creator himself. He's saying you're a partaker of the divine nature. You have the characteristics of God. And this is what he's trying to drive at in verses 17 to 32. Walk like I've taught you. 
And he says then on in verse 35, if he called them gods to whom the word of God came and the scripture cannot be broken. All right, here's the point. Here's what I want you to get from, from Jesus at this point. Everything he did came out of that spirit mindset of oneness with the Father. That, that may be the greatest revelation in all of Scripture. When you, have, when, you're, when, you, when you have needs, when you have problems and fears, you need to, to think on John 10.30. You and the Father are one. I and the Father are one. In fact, let me back that up. Let me just back it up. You need to think and meditate and ponder on that before you have problems. If you're living a life today that's relatively problem-free, thank God for that, right? But all of us at some point are gonna face a dilemma. The doctor's gonna come in and tell you something that you don't wanna hear. The bank, uh, the stock market, you're gonna receive news somewhere along the line from your children, somewhere that's gonna be negative. That's, it's really too late at that point to begin to build the I am of John 10:30 into your life. You need to build that in into your life ahead of the time so that when the rains come and the winds blow and the floods rise and beats on your life, you will not fall because you're standing on the rock of John chapter 10, verse 30, that you and the Father are one. I'm doing some good teaching today. I hope you're getting this. Let this settle down into your spirit. The truth is that you are living out of, out of what is generated in your mind. And the things that you're manifesting and facing today have come because of the world and the life that you have actually built by accepting the view of what has been fed to you. Proverbs chapter four, verse 23 says, guard your heart with all diligence because out of your life, out of your heart, flows the forces of life. Guard your heart with all diligence, carefully, because what comes out of your heart are the forces of life. What your head feeds your heart, it will produce. Now we could say that in a lot of different ways. What your soul feeds your spirit, it will produce. What your consciousness feeds your subconsciousness, it will produce. Your heart is like a garden. A garden will grow any seed that's planted in it. So when your head plants seeds of fear, it's produced. When your head plants seeds of doubt, it's produced. When your head plants seeds of insecurity, it's produced. When your soul plants in your spirit, whatever, it's gonna be produced. When your conscious mind, when your consciousness plants into your subconscious, your subconscious has no mind of its own. The heart does not have a mind of its own. See, this is why we re have to renew our, the spirit of our mind because what's in the spirit of the mind, the driving force puts the seed into the ground. So a 24-7 awareness of God, a God consciousness of oneness is what you want to have as the, as the driving force for the spirit of your mind. If you believe that, then your days of asking are done. Your days of begging God, trying to get or trying to be or trying to have to achieve, to try to get God's presence over and over again. How many hours we used to spend trying to get God's presence. We prayed before every service that God, you would show up, that God, your presence would be with us today. Little did we know because we, we, didn't, we, we needed to be renewed in the spirit of our minds. Little did we know that he's always with us. 
He's with us 24-7. Jesus never prayed to get anything. Jesus never said, okay, I'm going to calm this storm by faith. He took dominion. Jesus never said, I'm going to produce loaves and fishes by faith. He took dominion. He took charge because he knew that he was one entwined in full union with his source, right? He and the Father are one. If you've seen him, you've seen the Father. That's got to be what we say also. You've seen us, you've seen the Father. So let's change our paradigm. Here at the Digital Cathedral this morning, we're going to change a paradigm. There's not God in me. There's not God in you. There's not God in humanity. There is only God manifesting as me. You've seen me, you've seen Daddy. We see you, we've seen the Father. Your days are over of being dependent on a far off God who may or may not show up, who may or may not answer. We create the answers by the seeds we plant into our own spirit, subconsciousness, heart, whatever, whatever term you wanna put on it, the seeds that we plant in there will be what we manifest. So what comes out of this, this spirit of the renewed mind? You've got to begin to believe. You've got the mind of Christ. So when you plant, when you're thinking, when the desires of, of your mind drop into your heart, they become the desires of your heart. And your heart, your spirit, your subconsciousness goes into activity. It goes into to super, super production to bring to you, to draw to you, to attract to you, or to lead you to the thing that you have fed into your spirit. You're living in the kingdom abundance, brother. If you're not, then begin to put the seed into the heart, into the spirit, into the subconscious of what you, what do you want in life? What, what do you really want to attain? It's God that works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. God put that desire into your heart. So out of, out of this renewal of the, the, the spirit of the mind comes this. When I'm really thinking out of a, out of a mind that has been supercharged by the spirit, I've re renewed the spirit of my mind, I acknowledge that I of myself can do nothing, but I also acknowledge that I can do all things through Christ. Do you see, do you see what's going on here? I of my own self can do nothing. That's what Jesus said. He said, but what I see the Father do, I do. I really can't say anything on my own accord, but what I hear the Father say, that's what I say. You say, well, yeah, all that, the Father and I are one. That's good for Jesus. I mean, after all, he, you know, that was Jesus. What about, what about me? Well, Jesus said much the same thing in John 14, 20, but he brought us into the circle. And this is what he said in John 14, 20. And this, this is the, the, one of the strongest Trinitarian verses I know of, but he includes you in that group. He doesn't even put the scripture in this group. He brings you into it. Jesus said, John 14, 20, if you just think like John 10, 30, that's good for Jesus, but that's Jesus, how about me? He says in John 14, 20, in that day, and that was the day 2,000 years ago, in that day, you'll know that I'm in the Father, and I'm in you, and that you're in me. So he draws us in. He, he says the exact same thing as John 10, 30, but now he brings us into it. Meditate on that. Chew that over. When you're, when you're just sitting rather than daydreaming or you're driving down the street rather than listening to a, 
uh, a radio program or the news or a song or something. How about if you put into your spirit, into your heart, into your subconscious, how about if you put five words? You in me, you in seven words, you in me and I in you. You in me and I in you. You in me, Jesus, I'm in you, and Jesus, you are in me. You in me and I'm in you. Wow. Get that until, you know what? There comes a time that you walk over the line and that becomes truth to you. That becomes a part of you as much as anything else that you've ever believed or thought in your entire life. That's what Jesus was getting at when he said, build your house on a rock. Hear these sayings of mine. Hear that saying of Jesus in John chapter 14, verse 20. That'll renew the spirit of your mind, not just change your thinking. It'll renew the spirit, the driving power force that creates right thinking. That's how you put on the new man, put off the old man. The old man said, I'm just a man. I can never do, I'll fail, I'll, I'll go short. Uh, my life has not been worth anything. I'm, you know, I haven't amounted to much of anything in my life. Look, Jesus, yeah, you could say that, but what about me? No, from this day forward, we're in a new paradigm. The Father and I are one. John chapter 10, verse 30 is not just a statement of truth. It's a statement of declaration. It's a statement that we need to declare about ourselves in relationship to the Father. It's the verse that we need to declare that this is the rock I'm building my life on point forward. Jesus passed what he lived from the revelation of revelations in John chapter 10, verse 30, and he actually prayed that thing over you. If, if John 14, 20 is not enough, then Jesus prayed a powerful prayer in John chapter 17. I want you to listen to this prayer that Jesus prayed in John chapter 17. You've probably read it a lot of times, but again, it ties us into the, into the oneness of Jesus with the Father. And Jesus is praying that we would know, this is what he's praying, that we would know that the same relationship that Jesus has with the Father, that is a joint heir with Jesus, we also have with the Father. So Jesus, Jesus prayed it very plainly. He lays it out in an easy to understand format in verses 20 to 24. Here, these are, these are good truths again to say, ah, this is a saying of Jesus that I'm taking into my life, I'm taking into my mind. This is gonna be the source, the power, the strength out of which my mind now drops uh, uh, truth and direction into my heart, into my spirit, into my subconscious. All those are synonymous meanings. You understand that? Your soul, your mind, your consciousness, and your heart, and your subconsciousness, and your spirit. Those are all just different ways of saying the same thing. Some people hear it better one way than another. But watch what Jesus prayed here. John chapter uh, 17 and verse 20. Uh, he said, I don't pray for these alone. He said, I pray for those I pray for those who will believe in me through their name, that they may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may be one in us, that they may be one in us. All right, let's go on here. Verse, verse 22. And the glory which you have given them, or the glory which you have given to me, 
I've given them. Same glory. You have the same glory that Jesus had. Verse, that they may be one as we are one. Verse 23. I in them, you and me, that they may be made perfect in one and that the world may know that. Watch, here's what he prays. That you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Verse 24, Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which you have given me, for you loved me before the foundation of the world. Isn't that amazing? The same oneness, the same glory, the same love that he loved Jesus with before the foundation of the world. Jesus says, this is a saying, build your life on this. Ponder on this until it becomes your flesh, until you, until you step over the line where it's not just reading it. It's not just, oh, I agree with that. It, it drops in from your mind down to your heart, into your spirit, into your subconsciousness. I mean, when I read those verses 20 to 24, I mean, he prays so many good things in there. Uh, he says in verse 13, that we would have his joy fulfilled in us. He prays in verse 15, I don't, I'm not taking them out of the world. He said, I don't pray you take them out, but that you would keep them from the evil. That's the power Jesus prayed that you would have to stay away from evil. He's given you the power to do that. Then he says up in verse 18, this, this is so good. Verse 18, I should have included this one. Jesus said, as you have sent me into the world, I also send them into the world. How did the Father send Jesus into the world? Did he send Jesus ill-equipped? Did he send him with, you know, not enough to get the job done? Did he send him without, uh, without the knowledge, the strength, the ability? No, 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 no. He sent Jesus with both guns loaded. And Jesus said, I'm sending you into the world with both guns loaded. You are one with us. You have my glory and the love that the Father loves me with, he loves you with. And that love even extends, Jesus said, from before the foundation of the world. All right, I'm going to land this. I'm going to land this. The day of your confessing Bible verses just to change your mind is over. Um, no longer do we make faith declarations to try to psych ourselves to build our faith up. Those days are over. The day of truth himself rising up within you big and revealing your oneness with deity creating a Christ-driven mind. That day is here. I've been with you, brother. I know what it's like to confess a Bible verse just to get my thinking changed. We're not talking about getting your thinking changed. We're talking about the very spirit that empowers your mind to hit a new life source. The days of making faith declarations to try to psych myself into believing that I believe what I don't see, those days are done. Truth himself, his name's Jesus, is rising up on the inside of you. And he has just revealed your oneness with deity this morning. And he looks at you and he says, hasn't it said in the scripture that you've read so many times that ye are gods? See, just saying that, some of you have held, me? Jesus said, yes, you. That's the spirit that you need to renew your mind to. The day of being the Christ, the spirit man in flesh form, is here and the day of walking and thinking like a mere man those days are over you are not a mere man 
You are made in the image and the likeness of God. That's what we need to renew the spirit of our mind to. You and the Father in the fullness of one will mark your walk from this day forward in Jesus' name. Amen? All right, that's a lot to cover in one session, but it's a whole lot of good stuff from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17, right on down to the end of the chapter. All right, next week, of course, we're going to continue our study, and we'll pick it up with Ephesians chapter 5 here at the Digital Cathedral. Let me remind you, Wednesday night, we will continue with uh, the same passage that we talked about this morning. A whole lot more I can say about it. I just try to hold my teaching on Sunday morning to about 45 or 50 minutes, so we're just about right on time this morning. It's been good to be with you. I always love these Sunday mornings, and I love being able to look right into your eyes like this and communicate with you, and I feel your love. I feel your support. Uh, God's building a good thing with us, and I appreciate your time, your effort, your support, your prayers. Uh, it's a worldwide community. It's a worldwide community, and we're growing every week and I thank God for it. All right, we'll see you Wednesday night, and I just say, Father, in Jesus' name, may blessing pursue them in their going, their coming. May the realization of their Christedness rise within them this week, and may the spirit of their mind be fully renewed. Amen? Can you agree? Amen. Let's walk it out this week.